You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, ladies, gentlemen, and any other genders. You're listening to America's Web Radio. I am Roger B., and this is Locked and Loaded, the show where we talk about guns, we talk about firearms, we even talk about weapons. We even talk about legal aspects of guns and weapons. And we're going to start today with a central school in Missouri. Now, this school in Missouri decided that they were going to make their school district a little safer this year. And you may wonder, now, how on earth could a school district make their district safer? Well, what they're going to do is they're going to allow teachers to carry guns. And one reason why they decided this is actually in a place called High Point, Missouri. No relation to the weapons, but appropriately. <clears throat> so they decided, okay, you know what? How do we make our school safer? How do we protect our children against possible mass shooters or possible invaders or whoever might try and get into the school and do our children harm? Well, the obvious way, you shoot back. You know, when they talk about what do you do in event of a of a mass shooting or an active shooter situation, <laughs> you shoot back. So they decided they're going to arm teachers, and the parents in this school district are thrilled because now they know if anything happens, their kids are going to be protected by people with guns, not just a sign that says gun-free zone. Now, one big factor that helped them help propel them to make this decision is that they have a big gap in their security coverage. The law enforcement, the closest law enforcement is a 15-minute wait from the time they receive a call. So if anything were to happen, they would have to wait 15 minutes before they got any kind of response from local law enforcement. And they thought, but what better way to protect ourselves than to be our own first responders? That's right. And it's interesting because a lot of the anti-gun people and uh, certain teachers in certain zones are saying, oh, well, teachers don't want to have to carry guns. They don't want this responsibility. And fortunately for the kids in most of these school zones is the exact opposite is true. More people volunteer than they can use. So they have to get these people into the program slowly. They, they integrate them in as openings become available, as training comes up, and they get people in to help protect children. Because I can guarantee you, every politician in Washington, their kids go to a school protected by people with guns. But instead, they're just going to give you a sign that says gun-free zone and hope that's going to be enough to keep your kids from getting into trouble. Now, now, this is a small community, so most everybody here knows everybody. They're always, you know, they've been around with each other doing things as a, as a small town for a long time. If you come from a smaller place like that, you kind of know, you get to know everybody there. And it's funny because a lot of people outside the community were telling them this was a bad idea, the parents aren't going to like it, it's not going to be something you're going to want to do. Turns out the parents were absolutely thrilled with the idea because they know the teachers there. They've known them for years. These are people they trust with their children. And they realize, you know what? There's no better way to stop a bad guy with a gun than to have a good guy with a gun. So let's hope this goes well and uh, more and more schools decide to take this avenue of protection because there's no other way to stop somebody if they want to do harm other than to stop them instantly. And, yeah, you can try a bow and arrow, a knife, a hammer, 
even a potato gun, but, you know, a regular firearm does the best job of protecting everybody from bad people with guns. But now you wonder something about this. If a gun-free zone is so great, then why are almost all of mass shootings taking place in gun-free zones? Well, I'll tell you why. Because these psychopaths who commit these atrocities, these people are looking for a high target count. They're looking for notoriety. They're looking to be infamous. They want to be known for doing something like this. So what happens? They look for places with gun-free zones because most of them are cowards anyway. They don't want to go up against anybody who's armed. So Michigan has now come out with a bill. Because if you look at the Supreme Court ruling, okay, they have ruled that authorities have no duty to protect you as an individual. Meaning that the police do not have any kind of responsibility to protect you from harm. You call them after the fact. They come and draw the chalk outlines when everything's said and done. But they, you, you cannot sue your local police department for not getting there in time to save you, for not getting there in time to protect you from possible harm. That was ruled on by the Supreme Court, so that's the law. That's not something we can change right now. But this becomes a problem with the gun-free zone. If a private business or private enterprise decides that their policy is to prevent people from having guns or not allowing you to carry on their property, do they then take the responsibility for your safety? Are they then deciding that, okay, whatever happens here, we will be responsible for it? Up until now, this has not been the case. People can just decide they want to have a gun rezone and take no responsibility for anything that happens there. So Michigan has put together a bill that would put gun-free zones on the hook for any injuries or any damage done by somebody shooting in a gun-free zone if you are not allowed to carry your weapon there. Now, of course, if things happen and they did not restrict your rights, this would not apply. But if they're a gun-free zone, then they automatically have to take responsibility for your safety if they disallow you from carrying within their prem- on their premises or within their walls, whatever it is. Now, this is interesting because up until now, it's been just a matter of course to put a gun-free zone sign up and not worry about anything beyond that, not have to be responsible for your patrons, for your customers, for the citizens who are using a government building. They don't have to be responsible for them, and they can have the gun-free zone with no responsibility whatsoever. This Michigan bill would put them on the hook for that, which means if if the mass shooter came in and you had, didn't have your gun because there was a gun-free zone sign out there and you decided to obey their policy, then you could sue them. Now, this is interesting because up until, I guess until this afternoon, you were not allowed to sue manufacturers of products if their product worked properly but was in the wrong hands or was mishandled or misused to cause damage or cause harm. So we'll have to see. Now, Michigan only has a couple of sponsors on this bill so far, but it would be interesting to see if they can actually put this into effect. And would it change businesses' approach to gun-free zones? Would they say, you know what, we don't want to take the responsibility for somebody in case something happens. If a robbery is committed or, you know, somebody comes in trying to shoot the place up and all the concealed carry holders do not have any way to protect themselves, they're all going to sue us whether they were just traumatized or whether they were actually shot or whatever. 
all of a sudden this place is responsible for everybody's safety if they don't allow people to carry. So I hope this goes really far. I hope this actually passes. And I hope other states will look at this and say, you know what? If you're taking away my right to carry, my right to protect myself, my right to be my own first responder, then if you take it away, you have to take over that responsibility. Because I take on the responsibility every time I strap on my weapon. I take on the responsibility of protecting myself, my friends, my family. I take on that responsibility, and I do it in the most responsible way possible. So if somebody's going to tell me I can't, then they better step up. They better get out there and decide, okay, well, we'll cover you if anything happens. Yeah, that's going to put a lot of businesses out of business if anything were to ever happen. A lot of them may still bank on nothing ever happening. You know, to where something, well, you know, we're going to take a chance because mass shootings are, in reality, extremely rare. And to get hurt in one, the chances are almost astronomical. You have a better chance being of winning a lottery while you're getting bitten by a shark at the same time than actually getting hurt in a mass shooting. But, you know, sometimes people are willing to take the chance, sometimes they're not. Now, this is a story you probably won't hear in the, in the lamestream media. There was a lady who was a big anti-gun activist. She was, uh, what is it, uh, Mothers Against Violence or mothers, Mad Mothers Against Guns or something. I forget the name of it. Oh, Moms Demand Action. That's it. Crazy Moms Demand Action. They want to ban guns everywhere. So this anti-gun activist decided that, you know what, she's had enough. She was getting divorced, and she was, she was upset. She was depressed. She was suffering some sort of mental breakdown, apparently, and decided to use a gun to end her life. Which, you know, looking back, it's not the most terrible thing in the world. It's bad for anybody to ever die an early death. But she took the lives of her three children with her. They were 11, 9, and 7. She killed all three of her children and killed herself with a weapon. Now, what this tells me, this lady's going on and on about not allowing anybody to have guns maybe she knew she was mentally unstable maybe she knew she shouldn't have one so instead of just deciding to make that decision for her help, for herself she decided to campaign against anybody having a gun it's just so ironic that she used one to end her her life and the lives of her three children so you got to wonder about these gun control nuts that's right gun control nuts i mean they're fighting against given rights, protected rights, constitutionally guaranteed rights because they are either afraid or they don't believe in a gun, which is fine. If you don't believe in one, by all means, put a sign in your front yard that says there are no guns in this house. And if I'm next door to you, I'll put a sign in my yard saying I will not use any of my weapons to defend this person because they do not believe in guns. But this lady, she just, uh, just it's terrible, the story that the father had to go through because they were recently divorced, and now the father has no children because their mother decided to take their lives with a gun, even though she was campaigning, protesting, demanding that guns be taken away on all these social media pages. She was the one screaming about, only law enforcement today should have guns. We don't need guns. But apparently she needed one to end her life, so... Very hypocritical in my book. I'm sorry. There's just no excuse for that. If you don't, it's, it seems odd that almost all the mass shooters out there have all been of a more liberal mindset. They all tend to lean to the left side of things. They tend to support candidates that tend to lean to the left side of things. It's almost like they're trying to start trouble in order to make a point. 
you know, oh, look, guns are bad. I'm going to shoot a bunch of people, and now maybe we'll get guns outlawed. Well, you know what? The only way to stop somebody like that is with your own gun. And Virginians have taken this to heart because for the first time in 26 years, they have elected a Democratic state Congress and state House. And they've had, and now they've had a Democratic, a, Tem- a Democrat governor as well. Now, this governor, Ralph Northam, has been vowing to pass gun control bans, gun control laws, as soon as he gets this new Congress and Senate in session. He's got stuff lined up. He's going to ban magazines. He's going to ban AR-15s. He's going to ban any kind of semi-automatic weapons he can think of. And now that he's got Democratic support in the House and the Senate, there's a good chance they're going to try and pass some of these laws. And, you know, as a law-abiding citizen, you're going, oh, well, I'll just have to vote again. But you know what? At some point, you've got to realize, at what point are the laws that they're passing illegal? At what point are they violating federal law, violating your Second Amendment rights by passing laws that have no right to be passed? I mean, it seems amazing. You can't limit free speech, although they're trying to do that as well. And let me tell you, as soon as they get the guns away, the free speech limits are going to come down in force all over the place. Everyone's going to try and tell you what you can and cannot say, and you will not be able to stand up and defend yourself against it. Now, one thing interesting about this election is it has drawn Virginians to gun stores, gun shows in record numbers. These people are buying up everything they possibly can. They're buying up AR-15s, AK-47s, any semi-automatic rifles they can get their hands on. They're buying suppressors. They're buying everything which Governor Northam is saying he's going to ban. They're buying up, you know, the standard capacity magazines by the by the hundreds. Now that sounds kind of odd because if you know these are going to be banned in a few months, why would you spend all this money and this effort hunting these things down, securing them if you know in a couple months they're going to be illegal and you're going to have to get rid of them? Well, you know what? I'll come tell you about more about that later. I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Quick Stakes, that's Q-U-I-K Stakes, are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of Quick Stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's Quick Stakes, Q-U-I-K Stakes, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. 
You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello and welcome back. This is America's Web Radio. I am Roger B. And you're listening to Locked and Loaded. Just before we left for the break, we were talking about Virginians buying up guns, buying up magazines, buying up anything they could get that was supposedly going to be banned in a few months because the governor and the newly elected Congress and Senate, the state Congress and Senate, have decided they're going to go after the guns now. Now, this is the first time in 26 years that Virginia has had a Democratic Congress and Senate at the same time and a Democratic governor. So it's going to be interesting to see if they actually push any of these things through or will all these people buying stuff like this? I mean, if they know this is going to be illegal in a couple of months, why would you buy all this stuff? Are you just going to buy your third-round magazines to use them for a few months and then hand them in when the time comes? I don't think so. I think this is going to turn into a case of noncompliance. These people are going to be defiant. They're going to say, no, I have the right. The right is mine. You cannot take it away by signing a piece of paper and sticking it in a, in a file. This is not how rights work. You can't just hand them out and take them away at will. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how what kind of response Virginia gets if they do pass these laws. Will people line up to hand these things in, or will the numbers be so low that they're going to know they're still out there? Will they have to prosecute people to get these guns out of their hands, or will they have to just give up and say, well, you know what, we'll pass the law. We won't sell any new ones, but everyone who has one already it's up to them to turn it in, but we're not going to you know, go knock on their doors just yet. Because that's what the British did. They tried to go door-to-door and collect guns. It didn't work out very well. So we'll see. And it's funny that it happens in Virginia, which is one of the original 13 colonies. So I wonder if these people have any sense of history, of any, any sense of pride that the rights that they're giving up were originally founded by the people who founded their state. Well, we'll see. I'm just curious to see if they have compliance or not. I have a feeling these people are buying this stuff because they're not going to give them up in three or three to six months. They're not going to just decide, well, I used it for a while. I'm going to give it away now. And now New Zealand. Uh, I remember we spoke about this, I believe, over the summer. New Zealand passed a law taking away all semi-automatic military-style weapons from all of its citizens. And they have had a less than 3% compliance with this law. So people are just keeping their stuff going, yeah, come take it. You want it, come take it. So I I like their, you know, this sense of uh I guess independence that these people are are thinking they're going to have. And I hope it comes down to the point where lawmakers begin to fear the people because the people you are the pe- the people who are in these Jurisdictions, they are the people who are supposed to be in control of things. It is not supposed to be the government in control of the people. You look at the Constitution, the first ten, the Bill of Rights, they are all limits on what the government is allowed to do. They are not giving you rights. They are telling you the government cannot touch these rights. These rights are here. They're yours. The government has restrictions on laws they're allowed to make. And as usual, that's... That's the case that should be all the time, but as usual, states are deciding to could, to just go trod right over to the constitutional amendments and make their own laws. They do this with marijuana laws. They do this with sanctuary cities. They decide, oh, we don't want to obey that law. 
we're just going to obey the ones we want. We're not going to pay attention to federal law. We're going to make our own state laws, and we're just going to pay attention to them. And it works fine because the, the federal government obviously is not going after these states for doing this stuff. They're not trying to enforce federal law. So eventually that's going to come to a head at some point. And I think states, states' rights and federal rights are going to clash, and there's going to have to be a determination. Now, I hope this doesn't come to an actual physical altercation at any time or any kind of violent altercation, because I think there's still time to vote. There's still time to get out there and vote, but you've got to do it, and you've got to talk to as many like-minded people as you can, get them to vote to keep our constitutional right to keep and bear arms. Make sure they know it's at stake. In fact, I've been reading a few things about people who think, oh, they're not going to come for me because I only have a hunting rifle. Well, let me tell you something. As soon as they get the AR-15s, as soon as they get the AKs, as soon as they get the Glocks, they're coming after your hunting rifle because it's going to be considered a sniper weapon. All of a sudden, your deer rifle is now a sniper weapon, and they're going to take it away next. Once they get the camel's nose under the tent, there's no stopping it. It's coming hard and fast. But they're going to do it with little steps, a bit at a time, and we're the only people who can stop them. The citizens of the country have to stand up and say, no more, it's not going to happen to me. In fact, there was a gentleman in Washington State who stood up and decided to stand up for a fellow citizen. This was a legal gun owner with their lawfully carried handgun, just happened to be in the right place at the right time. He got there to end a potentially deadly incident on Interstate 5 in Washington State. Police say, here we go, 41-year-old Jeremy Yates, who has a history of arrest and mental health incidents, was on the shoulder of an interstate tossing chunks of concrete, pipes, and even a trailer hitch at one of the windshields of cars speeding down the highway. One lady was a victim. She said it was the most terrifying moment of her life. He threw with all his might. It hit her windshield, and the glass went all over her. She was describing damage to her Subaru Crosstrek when he hunked a, a, a large chunk of metal or concrete out into the interstate, and she ran into it as he threw it out there. Oh, it was a trailer hitch. Okay, he threw the trailer hitch right there, and then he, when she stopped, he grabbed it and continued to hit her window. Then we have the a citizen... An armed citizen came up, saw him doing this, pulled over, pulled pulled his gun out, aimed at his head, told him, get on the ground. He was under citizen's arrest. And as he ran up to him, he dropped the metal object. Okay, so he stopped him by pointing the gun at him. Then he ended up, his dad was with him. He said he backed up, he handed the pistol to his dad. Then he tried to wrestle the guy away from the freeway. Because he wanted to keep him, he wanted to keep him out of the way of getting, of running out in front of another car, or causing damage to somebody else's vehicle, or potentially hurting somebody else, or even himself. So he pushed him away from the shoulder of the interstate, and then the police arrived and took him into custody. Now it's just miraculous that nobody got seriously hurt in this, other than some property damage. Nobody got seriously hurt. Now, the lady who was there while this guy was beating her windshield in with a trailer hitch, she said that the man who stopped him was a hero. He pulled out his weapon. He stopped this guy from trying to beat her car in and get in and get her. Who knows what he would have done next? I mean, this is a, a, a guy with a history of mental instability. 
Now, I don't know what her stance is on concealed carry and gun ownership. Being in Washington State, I know a majority of the citizens there do not believe guns have a place in a civilized society. But I wonder if her opinion has been changed any after having to live through this type of experience and somebody with a gun potentially saved her life by stopping him from beating her in the head with a trailer hitch. I mean, if he hadn't stopped him, how far would this guy have gone? Would he have just continued to to get into the car? Would he have be- began to beat her with it? I'm just curious to know if, if this lady's opinion, what it was prior, and if this incident changed her opinion. They say all it takes to change somebody somebody's opinion on guns from liberal to conservative is one good mugging. You know, once you get mugged, then all of a sudden you take a little different stance because you realize it can happen to me. I am my own first responder, and if I'm not prepared, then you know what? I get what I deserve. I'm not prepared. I'm not able to defend myself, not able to defend my family. Then you know what? That's what happens. You get beat. You get destroyed, whatever. And you know what? You gave up your right to defend yourself when you decided not to carry. Now, not everybody should. But at least don't be completely opposed to the idea because maybe someone with a gun someday will save your life, whether it's a law enforcement officer, a military personnel, or maybe just some guy driving by who sees something going wrong and decides to stop and help. Now, if you do decide that carrying a weapon is for you, then what you're going to have to do is decide, okay, I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to have to get equipped. I'm going to have to get trained. I'm going to have to purchase a weapon. I'm going to have to get the accessories. I'm going to have to get what I need to make this happen right. So we're going to go over a few. I found this one article that was discussing the 10 most dangerous mistakes made by concealed carriers. Now, this is uh, now some of these are kind of vague. Anybody who does carry or you know, or uses a weapon in a, on a regular basis will say a lot of these are very common sense. But for people who don't, this might be for you. You might want to pay attention and go, you know what? Let me get some help. Let me read through some things. Let me pay attention to these because these may help me make a better decision in either purchasing equipment, practicing what I'm going to do, or being able to carry concealed in the best way possible. Okay. The first mistake pointed out in this article is that you purchase a holster without testing it. You know, you see one, it fits the gun, you go, okay, that's good, that's all I need. You don't know how it's going to fit on you. You don't know how it's going to fit under a jacket, under a shirt. Is it going to be concealed? Is it going to hold your weapon securely? Is it going to allow the weapon to fall out every time you get out of a car? Is it going to get caught on every seatbelt you happen to put on? These are the kind of things you need to look at when you have a holster. And most guys who carry probably have a half a dozen holsters for most guns because they use different holsters for different situations. If you're going to shoot some sort of event you know, or competition, you're going to use a different holster than you do when you carry in the middle of the summer when you have the lightest possible shirt on and you have as, as little concealment as possible. You're going to have a different holster for certain occasions. Or sometimes people will compete using a holster that they used to carry. That gives them the actual best practice they can possibly have. <clears throat> but now you want to avoid things like they have um, 
big nylon holsters that have a clip on the outside with an extra magazine pouch on it. Yeah, these are great if it's sitting in the nightstand, but if you're wearing one of these, it's too big, it doesn't stay secure well enough, and it's too big to easily conceal. Now, in the wintertime, of course, things change. But normally, you want to get something that fits your body pretty tight, that is very secure, and will not cause you to have an accident, number one. All right, we're going to be right back. I'm going to go through another nine of these. You're listening to America's Web Radio. I'm Roger B., and this is Locked and Loaded. Quick Stakes, that's Q-U-I-K Stakes, are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of Quick Stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's Quick Stakes, Q-U-I-K Stakes, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. This is Ron Camacho, host of the Business Hour, on Fridays from 10 to 11 a.m. Join me as I talk with passionate professionals on a program that profiles the best businesses, business professionals, business practices, and fascinating individuals to get an insider view of how America works, 10 to 11 a.m. on America's Web Radio. If your health insurance premium is more than your mortgage, Ellen Deal with Ideal Solutions is here to help. Whether you're a small business owner, individual family, or baby boomer, email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com, and I'll respond with three easy questions to help you determine if you can get away from Obamacare. As a 20-year veteran of the insurance industry, I'm here to help with all your insurance needs. Email Ellen Deal at MAGA45CAG at gmail.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, and we are back. All right, discussing the most dangerous mistakes any new concealed carrier can make. The first one we went over was getting a holster without trying it on, without testing it, without seeing how it's going to work. That's something you got to have done, do it right, and you may not... Be successful with your first or even second holster purchase. Try a few of them. The best thing, of course, would be to find somebody who carries a similar weapon or carries a weapon at all. Ask them for an opinion, especially if they have a similar build to you or the same size as you, do similar job to you, carry a gun in a similar manner or wear similar clothes. Any advice you can get would probably be helpful. Of course, a lot of people will have certain preferences that may not suit you, but get the opinions. couldn't hurt to have them. Now, the second one is going to be don't use fashionable equipment or don't use fashion pieces to hold your weapon up. You know, if you have a little thin belt that you wear that's, you know, really, really nice and very stylish and very high end, that's not going to be the belt you're going to use to put a holster on. You need something that's going to be heavy duty, that's going to hold up, that's going to be stiff enough to hold the holster in place and not allow it to to move or bounce or move around. If you're using a, a fashion belt, yeah, it's, your gun's going to sag. It's going to catch on everything. It's going to fall off when you when you go to the restroom. It's not going to stand up to the to the rigors of being a, a concealed carry holder. Now, of course, this will vary depending on the size of weapon you carry, but be thoughtful about this. You know, pay attention to what this belt has to do. Pay attention to the job it has to perform because you want this to be comfortable, but most important, you want it to be safe. You want it to be secure, 
and you want it to remain concealed whenever possible. Now, obviously, there are some states where you don't have to carry concealed, but my preference is to carry concealed whenever I can because I don't want to become a target. I don't want to be the guy who's sitting there wearing a gun, so somebody comes in a restaurant to rob it, they're going to shoot the guy with the gun first. I don't want to be that guy. I want the guy who's going to surprise him when he turns around and stop everything right then and there. Actually, I'd rather be the guy not there at all, but, you know, you don't always have a choice. Okay, testing holsters. Let's go back to this one more time. This is the number three on the list. Considering the safety of a holster. This is something that has been a point of contention for a lot of people. You're going to find one that fully covers your trigger. Do not have anything with an exposed trigger. These are just highly dangerous. There are very few cases where you want to run a holster that has an exposed trigger. Maybe in a competition weapon, when you're running competitive events, you want something that gives you every advantage. It may be an open trigger or an open open holster worn on the hip. But this is not something that's practical for a concealed carry. That's what we're talking about. Dangerous mistakes made by concealed carriers. You don't want to have a holster that's going to be unsafe, that's going to leave the trigger uncovered, that's going to leave any kind of way for something to get in there and push a trigger. Now, there are some people who say you should not use a holster that has a lock that you undo with your finger. These require additional training. There are ways to do this without endangering yourself or others. Don't use your finger as a hook and push the button. Lay it across the flat part of your finger, pull the gun out, and it should work just fine. But that's something that requires additional training. You'll have to work with that kind of holster. If you have one, that's fine. But whatever you want to do, you want to try and prevent yourself from having a misfire, a negligent discharge. You don't want to accidentally fire your pistol while trying to holster or unholster the pistol. So be careful when you decide on a holster. Now, if you decide you want to use a shoulder holster, this is something that's kind of tricky because some of them will put the gun pointing completely backwards behind you. So basically, everyone behind you is in the way of the barrel of the weapon. Some of the more, I guess, the safer shoulder holsters will point the gun straight down, which is much more, it's a safer way to carry. It's much more efficient as far as being in line with your body. It doesn't stick out in the back of a jacket. It won't stick out in the front of a jacket. So just be careful of what you're looking at and consider how you're going to carry this weapon. Consider what you're going to be wearing. Consider what you do for a living. Where are you going to be? Are you going to be standing up all the time? Are you going to be sitting all the time? All these factors will make a difference. So don't consider you just have to get the one piece of one holster, one gun, and you're good to go. Go out, carry whatever you want. Be prepared to change things as you go. Now, here's an interesting one. Using a holster that's not accessible. Now, obviously, some of the most comfortable ways to carry a weapon is not around your waist or around your shoulder or underneath your arm. It's on an ankle holster. Very easy. You can you can be sitting in a car all day. It's not going to bother you. But it does give you limited accessibility. You're going to have to work on getting that out of there. You're going to have to plan, practice, know what you're doing. So, And also, when you're wearing it, you don't want it riding too high up on your belt so where you have to bend your arm too far and you can't have easy access to it. You don't want it riding too low where you can't get to it easily. You don't want it canted too far forward or back to where you have to bend your hand at an unreasonable angle to get it drawn out. 
you know, all these are going to result in an unnatural draw, and it's going to be harder to access that in a dangerous situation. Because once there is danger, your adrenaline starts to flow, your vision starts to narrow, your fine motor skills start to degrade. So you have to have your, your draw practiced, prepared, ready to where it is almost second nature, where you can draw that weapon without thinking about it. When someone says gun or danger, you need to be able to draw that weapon quickly without any incident, without shooting yourself or anybody else. Now, the next one they're talking about is acting unnatural. (laughs) Now, this is something that everybody does when they first start carrying a gun, is that they tend to check it, they tend to touch it, they tend to walk funny maybe, they because they know it's there and they're very aware of it because it's not something they're used to having. So this is something that will come with time. When you first start wearing one, it's going to be a little awkward. It's going to be a little different. You're going to be touching it or checking it to make sure it hasn't moved, to make sure everything's still covered up. And it's it's something that will come with time, though. Don't worry about that too much. Now, if you find yourself after, you know, three or six months and you're still – not walking naturally, you're still touching the gun every five seconds to see if it's there. You need to make a conscious effort to stop that. You know, have it, have it in a, maybe your holster's wrong. Maybe you don't have a comfortable holster. Maybe you need to do something else to where you won't have it bother you all the time. So there you go. Be aware of your holster. Be aware of your weapon, but try not to make it obvious that you're wearing it because the idea of concealed is so nobody knows it's there until they need to know it's there. Okay, next, number six is wearing inappropriate fabrics. Now, if you wear something that's, I guess, uh, can catch on things easily or tends to pull or catch sharp edges, that's the kind of fabric that's going to get pulled, get stuck, Maybe expose your weapon if you're trying to put it down over it or or you move too much, it, it pulls it up. You also want to avoid very thin, very light fabrics because you can see right through some of that stuff and you can see right what's underneath that, that fabric. You're wearing a white T-shirt, really tight, with a gun on your belt. Yeah, everyone's going to know that's there. <laughs> so be aware of what you're showing people when you're wearing your what clothes you wear when you carry your weapon. Darker color clothes hide a firearm better. Things that don't catch or snag on things will work much better for a firearm. Don't wear anything that's too tight. Now, I hate to say this because, you know, some people just look really good in tight clothes. But if you're carrying a weapon, make sure you don't wear it too tight because you don't want that weapon sticking out. You want them to see other attributes other than what kind of gun you're carrying. So... Just pay attention, be aware, and it doesn't mean you're automatically banned from the fashion world forever. You can wear stuff that's fashionable, but it has to be practical as well. In fact, I would prefer practical over fashion myself, without a doubt, and I think most guys would. Now, the next thing, which is kind of in relation to the uh, acting unnatural, is adjusting in public. (laughs) You don't want to be grabbing the gun, moving it, shifting it around while you're in public. You don't want everyone to know it's there. The idea concealed, again, is to carry it concealed so nobody knows it's there. There's no better way to freak people out in public than to lift your shirt and start messing with your with your concealed carry while you're in a busy or crowded place, especially if there are mothers with kids, fathers with kids, and they see you just sh- shifting this gun around, sliding it back and forth along the belt. Yeah, try not to do that. Find a quiet corner. Go to a restroom if you need to make an adjustment. If something slid into an uncomfortable spot, as long as it's in no danger of falling out, then go somewhere where you can make your adjustments. Do so and then go back into the public area. 
don't sit there in the middle of somewhere and try and adjust things. And you may wonder, oh, everyone knows that. Well, you know what? People who are new at this, you tend to get laser focused on what you're doing. You won't be paying attention to who's around you necessarily. So just be aware of this as something to make note of. Don't adjust your gun in public. I've been in a place, I've been in a parking lot, guy gets out of his truck, gun drops on the ground. Because apparently the seatbelt hooked it or something, tossed it. It bounced from the seat, bounced onto the ground. It happens. That's when you need a good holster that's protected. I've seen a guy (laughs) at a club, and he was dancing in his holster. His gun fell out of his holster onto the ground. I picked it up. I walked over to him, tapped him on the shoulder, opened my hands up to show him the weapon. I said, I think this is yours. He's like, oh, my gosh, yes. He took it, went off into the restroom or whatever to go refit everything. But it happens. I mean, it can happen. That's why finding a holster that works is so important. And then once you get one that works, number eight, make sure you use it properly. Make sure you holster the weapon properly. Use it how it's supposed to be used. Put a magazine where it's supposed to go. Make sure your equipment works like it should. And make sure you're using it the way it's supposed to be used, the way it's designed. You know, practice putting your weapon in the holster, knowing it's going to be secure. Again, a lot of this is is fashion. You know, you got to have the right holster, have the right belt, have the right clothes. You have to have everything. And then you have to have the right mindset. And talking about the right mindset, don't think that you're invincible just because you're carrying a gun. You know, it, it, it does provide some security. It provides some safety. But don't think just because you have one that nobody else has one. That's kind of why you carry one, because someone else with a gun is going to try and take something from you or do you harm. You do not automatically eliminate all threats by having it. You don't want to pull it out and threaten somebody if they're already in a situation where they're threatening somebody else. You have to be careful about that. The best thing would be to find somebody when they're not paying attention to you, and that's when you use your weapon. End the situation quickly, cleanly, without da- without hurting anybody else, hopefully without ever firing a shot. But, you know, you never can tell what's going to happen there. So... Now, the most important thing is probably know the laws in your local area. Know what you're allowed to do. Know what you're not allowed to do. Can you carry a weapon on your ankle? Can you carry it concealed? Can you do have to carry it open? Can you not carry it open? Know what the laws are and make sure you know them 100% before stepping out of the house with that gun strapped on. Don't get out there and find out that you're in violation of some state law or city law and you're going to get in trouble the minute you step outside and somebody sees you carrying or or doing something you're not supposed to do. You know, I don't know now. You'll have to look this up because every state municipality has different laws. They have different requirements. So you're going to have to look that up. And always, if your state is a concealed carry state, carry your license with you all the time. Even if it's not a concealed carry state, if they offer a license... It probably wouldn't hurt to get it just to show that you've taken the time to get the background checks, to go through the requirements necessary to show you're a law-abiding citizen, you're doing what has to be done, you're doing it properly, you're doing it better than anybody else. That's what I tell people all the time. As a concealed carrier, you have to do it better and cleaner than every other regular citizen out there. You take on a responsibility when you carry a weapon with you. And take that responsibility seriously. All right, we're going to be right back. I am Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded. 
and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. morning. My name is Mike Mizell. I'm a retired Army colonel and president of the Johns Creek Veterans Association. We meet in Newtown Park, and part of one of our projects is the installation of the Healing Wall, the half-scale model of the Vietnam Wall that traveled the United States. Well, it's coming to rest, and it's going to live in Johns Creek forever, the half-scale model. We're looking at a possibly a march implementation ribbon cutting ceremony and we're looking for donors and sponsors that want to help us in this great project you can donate at jcvets.org Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello and welcome back. This is America's Web Radio. I am Roger B. And you're listening to Locked and Loaded. Okay, I want to go over a few new things that are coming out now because we've really dropped, I think I've dropped the ball on some of these new products. So we're going to cover a few of these, some new stuff coming out because, you know, nobody has enough guns. If you know how many you have, then you need more. If you don't know how many you have, you probably could use maybe one more. You never know. You know, something new could come out. There's something called a Lago pistol, which was designed by True Pierce. Now, what he did, he is the guy who designed the CZ Scorpion, which at the time was called the M8A submachine gun, and it later became the CZ Scorpion. Now, this is not your standard 1911 or Glock redesign. You know, it's just, this is an entirely new pistol design. One of the most amazing things about this gun is it is a gas piston operated fixed barrel non-reciprocating top strap. The sights don't move. That's right. You heard me. The sights do not move on this weapon. The slide is actually a separate unit from the barrel, the sights, and the, the whole bore axis is rigid while the slide is actually a separate piece that slides along that, and that makes for a very low bore access. 
low bore axis. And the gas piston design should make for fairly low recoil. Now, it's going to make the pistol possibly a little dirtier here and there to clean, but the the recoil should be minimal and the cycling should be extremely fast because the gas piston, as you guys know, is that's what powers an AK-47. There are variations of an AR-15, which run a gas piston, and they tend to be some of the most reliable, longest-lasting, most durable versions of the AR-15. So this is something that's it's just it's totally new. It's completely different. Now I believe there was a pistol the. Uh, HKP7 also used a gas piston design as well, or a gas-operated design. But that one has not been available on the market, I think, since the early 90s. So it's been a long time. Now, this is not something that everybody's going to run out and buy because this is an expensive weapon right now. It's extremely, it's extremely expensive. This guy, they're talking about selling a pistol package with everything in it for approximately $5,000. So obviously it's not within the reach of most of us just yet. But the design idea gets out there. This, Like I say, this is the guy who designed the CZ Scorpion. And he originated as an M8A submachine gun. Then he sold the rights to, C, to, score, to CZ and CZ started making the Scorpion. So if this gun is a great design and does work really well... Perhaps he'll sell its design to somebody else, and it'll start coming down in price from there. Right now, it's extremely custom-built. Very few of them are going to be available. He's not looking for the -the run-of-the-mill guy who runs a Glock or a 1911 or a revolver. He's looking for somebody who wants a very specific, custom-made, hand-built, newly innovative sort of design. That's the kind of guy he's he's approaching with this. Me, my pocketbook doesn't allow me to do that, but I'm looking forward to seeing a more mass production version of this or even just see some of this technology come out in everyday pistols. Imagine having a weapon where the sights do not move. They don't move with the slide. Now, a few of you probably run some of the, um, I know some of the STIs, the 1911 or 2011s, those have front sights that don't move, but the rear sight almost always moves on a weapon. Usually the front and rear sight move on your standard Glocks or Springfields or 1911s. The sights are moving. Here, the sights remain stationary, attached to a stationary barrel. So I'm really curious to see how this thing shoots. If anybody will ever get one of these to test, it would be really neat to see this because... This is going to be something that could revolutionize the way we think of handguns. Now, the neat thing about this is this guy has had no prior experience before designing the CZ or the Lago pistol. And that reminds me of a guy named Gaston Glock, who designed the Glock having no previous gun-building experience. I believe he was an engineer and a watch builder or something like that. And he came up and designed the Glock, which, you know, I know whether you hate them or love them, it was an innovative design. It was a great idea. He basically influenced pistols for the next probably 40, 50 years easily with the polymer frame, striker fire design. All these are things that now are adopted into almost every manufacturer's stable. In some way, they all have some version of this. So maybe this will be a similar undertaking, maybe... Other companies will pick up on some of this technology once the patents run out or they'll buy the rights to it. 
And then they'll start, you know, innovating some of our pistols. We'll have our next big step forward as far as uh, pistol design and pistol technology. I really look forward to seeing one of these, but I don't know if you'll ever actually see one in person at the price they're at. And because they're made in Austria, I don't know how they're going to come to the U.S. So we'll see. But interesting to keep an eye out. The Lago Alien Pistol. So if you see one, definitely take a look at it. It's not your run-of-the-mill ordinary gun. And one more thing today. Ruger has come out with their new PC carbine chassis design. Now, for those of you who've been keeping up with pistol caliber carbines, they are hot. Everybody has a pistol caliber carbine out now, whether at 9, 40, 45. And these are just so much fun to shoot. They work great. They're fun because it's low recoil. The ammo's cheaper than running a 5.56 or a 7.62.39. And Ruger brought one out last year as a takedown version. Now, if you remember or if you've seen one, they had a standard kind of it wasn't a pistol. It was a pistol grip, but a standard hunting profile stock on it. But it was still a takedown, so it broke down into two small pieces. was easy to conceal. Good backpacking gun with a little bit more power. Now, Ruger designed their 9mm carbine based on their 1022. Now, they sold over 5 million 1022s. So, Ruger is very efficient at building a blowback system, a blowback system weapon which is exactly what the 1022 is. So they decided, you know what, let's scale this up, make it a little bigger to handle the 9mm, and see how that goes. And they had a brilliantly built weapon. It did a fantastic job. So now they've come out with the chassis version. Now what this is, this actually has a true pistol grip, and the pistol grip is interchangeable with any type of AR pistol grip. So if you have a favorite, you can swap it out onto this Ruger carbine with no no issues. It comes with a threaded barrel. It comes with an M-lock handguard. So that gives you plenty of room to mount accessories, whether it be flashlights, lasers, who knows, grenade launchers, whatever you want to put on it. Whatever will fit on an M-lock, you can bolt onto the Ruger 9mm carbine chassis. Also, it comes with the same, it comes with a magazine well designed for the Ruger. I think it's an SR9 magazine. But... Same thing with the last version of this carbine. It comes with a magwell that will accommodate Glock magazines as well. And I know I sound like I'm touting Glock, but they do have some of the best, most reliable magazines for the best money. Sure, my HK mags work great, and they're $50 each. My SIG mags work, work great, and they're $40 to $50 each. My Glock mags work great, and they're $20 all day long. So keep that in mind. <clears throat> and you can get the extended Glock mags, which are completely reliable 31 33 rounders and they can usually be had for between 30 to 40 dollars which is a great price for a magazine of that size and that reliability so i think ruger has got a home run with this one because having the availability of the larger glock mags i don't know that the ruger mag comes in a larger size just yet although don't put it past ruger to come out with a 30 round sr9 magazine that's a possibility there are aftermarket companies that probably make them although with any aftermarket magazine products you always have to test it first to make sure it's going to function completely before putting it in any situation where it's it's failure could mean a problem so now uh, this review was done by a guy named Clay Martin, and he does reviews for Guns America. 
and he did an accuracy test on this where he set it up with a bipod, a one-to-six scope, and was sitting in a prone position firing shots. Now, he got groups of about one inch at 50 yards. Now, this is two-minute of angle on a nine-millimeter carbine, which means two inches at 100 yards out of a nine-millimeter carbine. That is amazing accuracy. There are some AR-15s which can't do that, although I would hope they could. But this thing is very capable, and it fires, you know, with the blowback design, it fires very quickly, so it's easy to empty a mag. It's easy to stay on target because the weight of the gun is heavy enough to keep it down. you got to realize, pistol-caliber carbines shoot pistol-caliber ammunition. And pistol-caliber ammunition is generally lighter recoiling than rifle ammunition. So that makes it much easier to fire faster, have better control over your over your weapon, and cover a lot more ground. And with an accuracy of two inches at 100 yards or an inch at 50 yards, this thing is more than capable of doing what it needs to do. So take a look at it, and um, it takes down. This is a takedown version as well. So when it takes down, it comes apart right at the barrel and the receiver. It comes apart by simply pulling a, a lever, doing about a quarter turn, and the barrel pops off from the action. Now, on the chassis carbine, they also fitted it with an AR-15-style collapsible stock. So that gives it a little bit shorter profile overall. And it's fully extendable into usually six, I believe it's six positions. Now, the way it's attached, though, it was intriguing to me because it has a Picatinny rail on the back side of the action. So you could remove the stock completely and fire it like that. Or later on, if somebody makes additional barrels for it, you could get a shorter barrel or have a pistol version come out and then put a folding arm brace on it. Because a 9mm out of a 16-inch barrel is probably a little bit of overkill. But it is accurate, so you got to consider that. But if you could cut that barrel down to maybe 10 or 12 inches, put a folding pistol brace on it, that would be one super small package, especially with the fact that it takes down. The barrel comes off, the receiver folds over. This thing would fit into a messenger bag, which would be a great truck gun, perhaps. And one thing nice about this is it has Picatinny rail across the top of the receiver. It has receiver rails. You could put receiver rails on the M-lock as well. So it's very versatile. There's lots of things to do with it. It's going to be easy to use. And the barrel is threaded as well, so a suppressor. Screws right on, ready to go, no problems. All righty. Well, if you get a chance, take a look at it. If you're not in the, if you're in the pistol caliber carbine market, the Ruger builds an excellent weapon. All right, that's about it for today. We're going to wind it down. I am Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.